Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is Andrea Tamburini, who is the CEO and founder of an organization called Action Against Hunger, working in West Africa to end the uh, to end hunger there, which is really becoming an acute problem because of the Ebola outbreak. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you, Devin. Thank you for having me here today. Well, Andrea, give us a sense of what's going on on the ground in West Africa right now. Most of us have only heard headlines. Give us some sense of the, the problems that are existing in and around that Ebola-affected part of the world. Let me share with you a couple of words about Action Against Hunger. Uh, we work in 45 countries in the world, and our main goal sits in our name, our mandate. So we take Action Against Hunger, therefore we work more in the domain of malnutrition reduction, food security, water and sanitation. By virtue of being in, in the country affected by Ebola by a number of years, we naturally decided to respond to that emergency, although it's more in the, in the health domain. Uh, at this stage, I guess everybody is well aware of what the Ebola virus is and how it is spreading throughout those countries. And we have seen a number of statistics coming from different sources. Uh, we are working on the periphery of the health crisis, meaning that we're working with those amazing NGOs working in the health sector, and we're trying to help them in containing the virus as a first step to deal with the crisis that will go much beyond the health crisis itself. So at this stage, we're working within hospital facilities, providing support. We do water and sanitation activity. Treating Ebola requires a lot of water. We do food distribution for isolated patients. We do a water kiosk and hand washing station. And we work a lot, as I see on the periphery, periphery by uh, do Ebola prevention awareness discuss uh, raising awareness of what Ebola is about and what are uh, the best way to avoid being contagion by the virus. So these are some of the activities we're engaging right now with. But uh, Andrea, I want you to give us a picture of what's actually going on on the ground. Give us a sense of the problem. I know you think we all know what's going on. I don't think anyone in North America has a clue what's really going on on the ground in West Africa. Give us a sense of what it's like to be in Liberia or Sierra Leone today. Well, I think that the most striking thing is to understand how widespread is the problem. It's not just uh, a virus in itself. It's not, and that's why I think that considering it only from a health lens, from a medical point of view, it's a reduction of the impact of that crisis. We're thinking of countries that are tasked to contain a virus. Therefore, are thinking on how do they prevent people from moving? How can you do contact tracing of people which have been in contact with individuals which have contracted the virus? You have to think of a whole system which goes into a lockdown mode. You have to think about school closure in some areas. 
you have to think about problems in rich in different parts of the country. Border closure, uh, no, not much movement of goods, but also for to go into topics which are closer to our core mandate, you have to consider that agricultural land is not being worked as it should be. Over 40% of the farmers right now are not working their land because it's an area heavily affected by Ebola and because they seek refuge in other areas which are perceived as safer. So I think that the spectrum of the problem is broader. And I'm talking of aspects of the crisis that we do not deal with primarily. But we have to think of protection issues. We have to think of abandoned miners. There are so many problems that this, this crisis is creating. And yet again, we all know and understand that containing the virus is primary, is vital. But then there are so many aspects of those countries and those societies that we will need to deal with. Well, yeah, you mentioned that 40% of the farmers have abandoned their farming. I mean, the, the impact on food supply, the impact Correct. on the economy, that's, that's just scary to think about. 40% of farmers quit farming. What are you seeing yeah, as a result Yeah, the impact is devastating. Well, we have seen, first of all, there are issues related to market and access to such markets. We have areas of the country where goods are, of course, available, but some people do not have access to those markets because of transportation issue, because of being cordoned off areas of the country. We have other areas in which goods in the market are less available. Uh, countries like Liberia are very much dependent on importing of goods and food, and there has been a, a, a great increase in, in food prices. So we see inflation into those prices. Therefore, we could think of a, a mid to long term uh, impact on people's capacity to procure those goods. Yeah, so give us a sense now of what you're trying to do to help uh, mitigate the problems created by uh, roadblocks, limits on transportation, farmers leaving their fields untended. What are you doing to, to help solve those problems? Well, first and foremost, our role is to work in coordination with all the humanitarian actors. I'm talking about starting from the United Nations to some of the greatest other organizations which are there right now, and we're coordinating closely with the line ministers in, in those countries, so mainly Ministry of Health, Ministries of Infrastructure. What we're trying to do in our niche job is also to provide reliable data because at this time there are datas available on food availability, food scarcity, food prices, but what's important to do is to go through a rigorous approach to get those data and to analyze them in order to get a better sense of the scope of the crisis. So one of our work is specifically in that domain. We're continuing doing surveys in remote areas, we're continuously doing assessments, and we partner with university to be make sure that, that we have the rigor to those researches and that the data with feedback to the community are reliable. We have been working on a couple of assessments with the Food and Agriculture Organization, one of which has been already released. And based on that, we are working on short-term and long-term uh, 
intervention to be able to provide a solution to the food crisis. We think that in the short term it's important to provide something that will make them go through the day-to-day. -day. In particular, seeds and tools are always be perceived as a good way for the short term. There will be the need in the short term to provide food assistance, in particular for those isolated patients and for the most vulnerable cases. I'm thinking here of single women in particular, which have to take care of their own household and oftentimes as young infants as well. So the short-term solution is more of an assistant approach, a good old-school humanitarian approach to the problem. But we have been starting working since early September into sustainable mid-term and long-term solutions. Well, this is really inspiring work that you're doing, and just in such a, in response to such a problem, Andrea. I wonder if you would tell us why you tackled this. Going back to the beginning, wh why did you do this instead of something else? Why not become an investment banker? <laughs> That's a good question, David. Uh, I've been in humanitarian since uh, early 2000. I, I start my career in Kosovo. I'm Italian and it seemed like a reasonable place to start with. The war was next door. And, and at that time, I think uh, I wanted to do it as, a, as an experience, as many of my colleagues do. You wanted to see how it is, to see if you can bring that change that you would like to see in the world happening. And once I started, I never stopped. I went from a contact to contact, from crisis to crisis. I think there is a sort of duty, once you see it, to take action, to do, to do your share. And, and uh, it's also personal enrichment. I, I still bring with me memories from, from every country I've been working in. I do remember names of people I've been working with and faces of some benefit, the so-called beneficiary, people that we help in that particular moment of distress in their life. And I think that throughout the years it went through a personal commitment to a professional commitment because it's not about charity. You need to provide the best service possible to these people, a service that others should provide and that we all wish we all could have access to in those moments. So I think that there is a great motivation to that and, uh, and I don't need to find a motivation every morning to come here or to go and see our field work. It's just... It just comes natural. It is rewarding, and and you think you're doing something positive. That's yeah. that's to keep a concise answer to your question. Well, that's great. I think that's a great answer, a tremendous answer. So, Andrea, I wonder if, given the huge progress you've made, the huge impact you're having in the world, our, our audience is always looking for tips and ideas to help them do more good. I wonder if you'd give us one tip for increasing our impact. What can we do? Well, impact is something that we are all struggling with. I think that there are a lot of organizations and individuals extremely well intended, but to provide an impact on, on an individual life or on a community, on a village, on a country, the efforts needs to be very well coordinated and well thought through. But I do think that every individual has the potential to be part of it. When I hear some 
organization or some individual say, we are the solution, we know the solution, we can do it. I think that that's a, a little bit of a narrow-minded message because huge problem require the whole group of people and the large number of stakeholders to take action. For action against hunger, we cannot provide the solution to hunger by ourselves, but we're definitely one of the players. But I do think that I won't be able to find anything sustainable without commitment from governments, from donor agencies, from village leaders, without the buy-in from the community. And definitely we cannot do it without the support of individuals which want to be part of it. And I think that everybody can be part of that impact and make it broader by just joining something. Regardless of how much time they want to dedicate, do they want to dedicate time, their expertise, a financial contribution, but I think that the sum of all those individual contributions is what provides a big impact. Yeah, great, great uh, thoughts there, Andrea. I really appreciate that. Now, before we wrap up, I, I know there are people that will appreciate the good work you're doing who are going to want to support you, people who want to learn more about what you're doing. Where do they go? How do they learn more? And how do they donate, for instance, to what you're doing? Sure, I think that the best place to start from is our website, which is actionagainsthunger.org. Uh, and there you can have a lot of info where I think I'm very proud of how open and transparent we are. Out there you can see information about all the we work, you can see the great successful story, but if you look carefully you can see also some of the failure. We invest a lot in monitoring and evaluation, and we are we public the result of our program and activities to be able to improve and to share that knowledge, and so the system itself is better. So definitely, if you want to know more about Action Against Hunger, start from our website, and there there is a lot of uh, uh, information about also how to become part of it, how to join us into making our goal achievable and to create the greater impact I was talking about earlier. Oh, fantastic. Andrea, thank you very much for being with us today. We appreciate your time. We're so grateful for the good work you're doing and we wish you every success in solving the world's hunger problems. Thank you, Devin. It's been a pleasure to be here today. Alrighty. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.